we discuss the only video format on the internet without sound. Perfect for this audio-only medium. If you could just close your eyes and imagine those sweet, stilted animations, that would be great. And now, here are the podcast hosts who always thought it was pronounced Jife, Alison Goldberg, and Lindsay Ford. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Two Girls, One Podcast. I'm Allie. I'm Lindsay. My dog is barking right now. <laughs> One of three. So, uh, so yeah. it's bound to happen. Uh, welcome. Today's episode, we're very excited about Wait, it. Wait, you have three feet? No, I got three dogs, bro. Oh, real dogs. I thought you were saying, oh, my dogs are barking, which is oh, what you no. say when you've been Matt. walking. Oh, my God. What kind of old no. man are you? Jesus yeah, Christ. I like to use slang from the 1930s. <laughs> no. uh, is that weird? Look at, the, no. look at those pins on that doll. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know that one. Pins was 1920s slang for legs, and doll was a girl. Whoa! Wow. That, that's a deep cut. I mm. have no idea what is even happening. I've gone no. down a 1920s my- slang wormhole in my life. I also am really into Shakespearean insults. They're pretty fun. Anyway, yeah. I bite my thumb at you. You cod mm-hmm. piece. Um, so <laughs> let's, uh, which has nothing to do with today's topic, but today's topic does dive a little bit into the past so there you go there you go um actually dark beginning actually so the creator of the gif recently passed away r.i.p stephen wilhite but we thought it would be uh, an interesting moment to look at the gif's influence on internet culture communication we'd love to look at how it came about i also want everyone who's screaming in their car to know that the official pronunciation <laughs> is gif unfortunately it, i agree that it should be gif but it's GIF. yeah it's it's <laughs> wrong but it's right mm-hmm. it's like yikes <laughs> you know <laughs> Listen, yeah. Stephen Wilhite will is still on be the record it. as GIF. So for this episode, we'll be saying GIF. For all other episodes, it's anyone's guess. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, throughout it's, this episode. It's wrong, but it's right. <laughs> Get that t-shirt in the 2G1P shop. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's wrong, mm-hmm. but it's right. Mm-hmm. It's wrong, but it's right. <laughs> I, I just can't. I literally pause every time before <laughs> to try to say GIF because if you're reading it, it should be GIF, and if you know that it stands anyway, okay. It's we'll we'll move along from that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll release ourselves. We might make mistakes, but it's because mm. you know we're we're human. We're human. So when it's Stephen- my favorite thing about us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my least favorite. Uh, so uh, when Stephen Wilhite passed away, I went down a GIF wormhole. And interestingly, every article about his passing, if you click through the links and click through and click through, they all led back to this one piece <laughs> from 2012 uh, um, from the Daily Dot, actually. And so we <gasps> are speaking to Fernando Alfonso, uh, who used to work at the Daily Dot, and now he's at NPR, about his article looking at the history of the GIF. So we're going to dive into that with him today. The Daily Dot, fine publisher of this very program. It's true. It's this true. This program, <laughs> which you can um, support at patreon.com slash 2G1P. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I also think it's funny that in 2013, there was enough history to be looked at. But I mean, I was shocked to find out that the GIF was born very soon after I was born in 1987. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, I think of it as a very modern development, but it's been around for a long time. Yeah. Well, I am curious what fascinating uh, GIF-related trivia Matthew's going to have for us today. Oh, I got some goodies. This week we're talking about the history of everybody's favorite image format, the GIF, dot GIF. Uh, we all recognize GIFs, especially the animated ones when they pop up in online conversation, as we will get into uh, thoroughly today, of course. But I'm going to give you three examples of GIFs being used in very strange or surprising ways. One of these is real. The other two I completely made up from my very stupid mind, which Mm -hmm. is the real use of GIFs that you would never expect. I have three choices. A, a GIF of a Saudi Arabian soccer player making a goofy face was used by the US government as a cyber weapon During the Iraq War in 2006, intelligence officials fluent in Middle Eastern culture knew that the funny image of goalkeeper Mohammed al-Dayaya, sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. That one's real. They they knew (laughs) that, that this would be irresistible to Iraqi soccer fans. So they seeded the GIF across numerous Arabic social networks and sports forums and embedded a Trojan virus in the GIF that spread to thousands of computers, including those of Iraqi military personnel. GIF as a cyber weapon, that is choice A. Or is it choice B? NASA launched the Cassini space probe in orbit around Saturn in 1997. This mission was a big success. It enhanced our knowledge of the ringed planet during its 13 years in orbit. However, astronomers knew that after its orbit concluded, Cassini would be flung out into deep space and travel away from our solar system forever, perhaps to encounter intelligent life thousands or millions of years in the future. As such, scientists included an animated GIF of a human hand along with other human ephemera and encoded it in Cassini's onboard computer in both binary code, which we use uh, here on Earth with our computers, and ternary code, which is a different basis for calculations that might be used by advanced intelligent life. GIFs on the Cassini space probe out there in the darkness, that is choice B. You fucking psycho! (laughs) Is it choice C? In 2017, Harvard geneticists encoded a five-frame animated GIF of a horse into the DNA of E. coli bacteria, essentially putting a teeny tiny movie inside the cells of poopy bugs. That is choice C. That's so stupid. Is the real use? Oh my God! Your children made up the third one. I hope (laughs) I'm gonna go number two. B. I'm going going A because you stumbled on the name. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. Allie fell for the trap. I mean, chooses A. (laughs) Allie goes with the GIF of an Arabian soccer player used as a cyber weapon. Lindsay goes with B. 
uh, the NASA space probe uh, sending GIFs out to aliens. Nobody is choosing C d- DNA. No. GIFs in, in the DNA. No, Nobody no wants one that. is choosing that. All right. We will find out the correct answer after this very important commercial break. I would just like to thank all of the amazing people who contribute to our Patreon at the $10 or more level. You really do help us keep this whole thing going. We love you. And to prove that we love you, we're going to say your names right now. Thank you so much to Wesley Cordell, Jerry Duran, Jessica Fox, Kathy Phillips, Matthew Scott, Melissa Elliott, William, Ken M, and Jessica Kyvel. Thank you all so much. We love you truly from the bottom of our hearts. Patreon.com slash 2G1P. If you would like our love from the bottom of our hearts, just donate at the $10 or more level, and we will say your name and pronounce our love every single week. Helicopters from the number one social network for aviation enthusiasts, Next Door, courtesy of Best of Next Door. Does anybody know what's going on with all these helicopters circling around? Get a book? This is not new. Hey, Linda. What a helpful suggestion to get a book. Perhaps I will, and I'm happy to shove it up your ass for being so obnoxious in your response to a simple question. Much love, your neighbor. Wow, that's really out of character for most Lindas I know. They're really pleasant people. So that Linda should actually just change her name. To Karen? Hmm. <laughs> Is that what I it know needs a lot to of be? nice Karens, too. I know, it's too, too bad. Also, my friend's most mom, of the Karens I know are Asian. <laughs> my friend's mom is named Karen. And it's funny because I saw her a few months ago and I was like, I saw her in like the peak of the whole Karen thing actually. So it's like a year ago. And I said something just kind of joking around like, ah, I don't care. And she got so upset. She was like, I think it is so rude. I wrote a letter to an editor and I'm like, oh man, that's such a Karen move. That's a most (laughs) way to, way to combat your Karenism with a Karen. She's very sweet. She's right. She's just, she's right. She's very sweet. She's just older. mm. So she didn't understand that like, like, I think she literally didn't understand that they're not talking about her. Like, she took it like someone being like, yeah, the oh. Jews, you know what I mean? <laughs> the Karens. <laughs> like, that's how she's taking it. And I'm just like, oh. And I, like, tried to pivot away from the conversation so quickly. Wow. Oh, that's no. some nuanced context that is makes things difficult oh, there. The hmm. Karens. <laughs> what yeah. if we really only disliked people named Karen? <laughs> Like it really was like their blood is wrong, you know, like it was. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, we know that we know that the Karens run Hollywood, right? I mean, that is, that yeah, is true. No, no, no. The Karens the run America, Matt, which is yeah. really sad. Yeah, That's they, what's really sad. It's Fuck just a Hollywood. puppet government set up by Karen. Yeah. Um, anyway, how about that trivia from Matt's fucked up brain? 
Yeah, <laughs> where did GIFs show up in unlikely places? Uh, Ali chose A, that it was a weapon of cyber war in the uh, Iraq war in the early 2000s. Lindsay, you went with B, that we sent some uh, some animated GIFs to aliens. Yeah. Maybe, maybe millions of years from now, they will uh, pick up the Cassini space probe and say, here's what a human hand looks like. Here's some computer stuff. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, they're not going to speak makes sense. language. No, exactly right. <laughs> Uh, nobody chose C that we put uh, an animated horse into some uh, poop bugs. If that's the right wow, one, Matt, like I can't the believe fucking none of world us chose is dead. That. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm here to inform you that uh, unfortunately the Cassini spacecraft was uh, sent into the atmosphere of Saturn to burn up after it was completed with its 13-year mission. Okay. So uh, that is incorrect. And I also made up A, the no. cyber weapon. Shut so the correct answer no. is no. Oh my C, God. Harvard geneticists in no. 2017 no. were figuring no. out if they could encode information no. into DNA. I'm Absolutely gone. not. And, um, I'm done now. They quit the podcast, yep. so it's just me here, <laughs> and I will explain what uh, what this is. Um, have you ever been to a museum or seen this image uh, of one of the first uh, animated, I hesitate to call it a film, I think it's like a rotoscope or something, where it's a, it's a horse that's galloping, and you sort of turn the crank on the on the rotoscope, and you're seeing the frames move. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where it's like a jockey riding a horse in black and white. Oh, yeah. Nobody knows what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I do. I do. I do. Okay. So that horse is named Annie G, and this was uh, created by a British photography pioneer, Ed, I don't, I might be mispronouncing this, Edward Moybridge. I'm, I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. But this is a very famous image created in the 19th century. Um, and it was like uh, arguably one of the first animated images. So um, this has been turned into videos and GIFs, obviously. And so a team from Harvard encoded this uh, very famous horse image into the DNA of, of E. coli. The researchers transferred what is an extremely low resolution image, so it's very pixelated, onto the nucleotides, which are the building blocks of DNA, uh, and it produced a code that related to the individual pixels of the image. Uh, the researchers then employed the CRISPR platform in which two proteins are used to insert genetic code into the DNA of the target cells. In this case, uh, it was the cells of E. coli. Uh, There's a quote from one of the scientists, the information is not contained in a single cell, so each individual cell may only see certain bits or pieces of the movie. So what we had to do is reconstruct the whole movie from different pieces. This is Dr. Seth Shipman, who spoke to the BBC. Uh, so essentially, over the course of a handful of cells, they were able to then re-extract an animation from the DNA of E. coli bacteria with 90% like reproductive accuracy. And fucking DNA is a computer, my friends. Like that's what we're made of. And you can put whatever data you want in there. And I thought that was pretty cool. I think that's cool too, but like what the yeah, hell? What? Also, Matt, I wish the things that you made up were real sometimes. I know, me too. <laughs> Honestly, except we all I want thought that. A couldn't be real because that would, if you're just indiscriminately putting out a virus, like, you know, Arabic speakers in America would download that shit. That'd be bad. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that is true. I, to my knowledge, based on the what limited stuff I know about 
computer science, like I don't think you can embed a virus into a non-executable image. Like images are generally safe, but you shouldn't be downloading like programs to your computer. Right. That's where they get you. Okay. Got it. You heard it here first. Safety is important. Wear a helmet on the internet at all times. <laughs> Wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that okay. one's real. All right. Is it time? It shall is. we welcome our guest? We shall. We are so excited to welcome our guest, Fernando Alfonso, who is a supervising editor at NPR. Welcome. Woohoo! Hey, it's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, welcome. We're very excited. You know, you're bringing some class to the place with that NPR situation. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we have to mention that you are also Fernando Alfonso III. <laughs> If we're going to bring up the class that you're bringing, we appreciate it. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, it's kind of like a high-low thing because the third makes you sound like landed gentry. But here you are working in public media for the little guy just to get <laughs> just to get him his little information, you know. That's right. Just a humble public servant over here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Obviously, before we talk about anything else, we need you to clarify for our listeners once and for all how it is pronounced. Jesus Christ. Well, you know, it's certainly been uh, beaten to death by now. (laughs) But per the article I did 10 years ago, which is remarkable, you know, the creator of of the file format insisted on it being called the GIF, you know, like the peanut butter. So (laughs) Uh, I will admit, though, that I regularly use call it just a GIF. And I know a lot of people who still do. So it's like willful mispronunciation at this point then for us to like disrespect him like that. Uh, I, I, I think so. Um, <laughs> you know, remembering back to when I spoke with uh, Steve, you know, the creator, I don't think he was, you know, that upset about the mispronunciation that was constantly happening. But yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's essentially what he said. It's kind of like how everybody says Rihanna, but she says Rihanna and she's like, I don't care. <laughs> Keep buying my stuff. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, to be fair, it is the G stands for graphic. So it's a hard G. Yeah, that was yeah. the next question. Why? Yeah. <laughs> Did he explain himself? Did he explain himself? You know, thinking back to that time, you know, when we when I spoke with him through uh, Facebook in, in this rare interview, I don't think he actually really got into it in, in, in that much detail. I think GIF just rolled off the tongue easier. I think it just sounded more, you know, audibly appealing, perhaps. Yeah, I don't think it was, uh, you know, he he did say he was often quoted at the time as saying, choosy developers choose GIF, you know, so similar to kind of like <laughs> the tagline for the peanut butter. So, yeah. Right. So what I'm hearing is not to dishonor uh, Stephen Wilhite, who has just passed, but um, he was the original troll is what I'm hearing. <laughs> you know, early days. Yes. I mean, he was yeah. truly a sweet man, but, you know, he, he got some zingers in there for sure. Yeah, he, sa- he sounds like kind of a troll for good. Like he probably also created the Rick roll, but we're not sure, you know. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Not like an asshole <laughs> troll, like a sweet, funny troll. Yeah. Know? That's right. You know, mm-hmm. exactly. Both <laughs> things still popular with the kids. <laughs> GIFs and Rickrolling. It's amazing. <laughs> That's right. Okay. So you were mentioning having interviewed him via Facebook. Was that for this article that is now everywhere at the moment? Sure. So yeah, it was definitely for this article back in May 2012. Uh, I was a lowly staff writer for the Daily Dot at the time. 
covering the GIF artist community on Tumblr. It was an incredibly vibrant community where you had all these artists just using the format, uh, uh, you know, the GIF file format in really creative and new ways. And, you know, turning these GIFs into a living, you know, either selling GIF artwork or, you know, using their artwork to kind of build their brands and work with different brands. Essentially, I had come up with the idea of finding out who was the actual creator of this file format. So I went down this rabbit hole at the time, and at the end of it was Steve Wilhite, and essentially became kind of obsessed at the time of trying to track him down because it had become kind of part of internet lore that he was almost like the J.D. Salinger of the internet era, someone who (laughs) had kind of became a bit of a recluse. He just didn't do interviews. He was not, you know, like the Wozniaks or the Jobses of the world who had put themselves out there to evangelize about technology and all that stuff. No, he was very much a man who kept to himself. So tracking him down through Facebook and other means, it became almost like my white whale for a period of time and truly to this day, one of my favorite interviews. Okay, so seeing as, I mean, it's amazing. Everybody has something like that. I mean, where they get really into something that's a little bit fringe and all their friends are like, why are you obsessed with this thing? I mean, I I had that with a writer in college and I got them to come and speak at school and it was amazing. So when you finally got to interview him, what were the things that surprised you about him and what were the things that sort of impressed you about him? When When I finally got in touch with him through Facebook and I impressed upon him just how popular this lowly little file format had become, he was almost just like almost unimpressed about that. He didn't think like it was all that special. He didn't quite, I think, grasp just how much of an impact, you know, GIFs have made on on the internet and how we communicate. It was just kind of endearing, I think, to hear him be so surprised about that. Yeah, it was it was it was actually very touching in in the end. To give just a little bit of history, you know, he had worked for CompuServe through the 1990s, uh, and he ended up having to retire because of a stroke that he he suffered. And it was really during that time at CompuServe that, you know, he was just excelling creatively and came up with this idea, uh, you know, with the team that he was on to create uh, the GIF, basically essentially out of necessity as a way to uh, share multiple images you know, more efficiently. I expected, you know, wrongfully so in all honesty, for him to be maybe more animated, you know, kind of to reflect like what GIFs had become, like this beautiful form of expression. And he was just very like humble and very just, again, straightforward about what he had developed, like very much a tried and true programming. You know, I come from a family, I think at what time there was like almost a dozen family members who worked for IBM including both my parents who worked there for 30 years plus each. So I'm very aware of like what it's like to be around programmers and people who do this kind of like very complicated work. Uh, And he definitely kind of fit that bill. (laughs) That's amazing. Can you tell us more about the invention of the GIF? Meaning my, my layman's understanding is that the animation was not necessarily the purpose. It was about, hey, how do we compress images so much so that they can get through these pinhole internet connections in the 90s. And is that accurate or is there more to the story there? No, I mean, that is essentially at the heart of it, right? It was this a file format that essentially allowed people to create these compressed animations using timed delays, right? So that you could have, you know, anything from a half a second to a fraction of a second 
between each image. It was really, again, this idea about how you could implement this in, in a file format. So when you shared it and you opened up, uh, you know, these, these files, you had all these different slices, you know, of, of images, essentially this animation that you could kind of draw from. So yeah, it was really, from my understanding, having talked with Steve back then and what has become apparent today, obviously, it's just a really kind of an efficient way to share stacks of images. When did the, I almost said GIF, but we will <laughs> honor the man. When did the GIF sort of take off and become super prevalent? And basically, I, I, I exclusively text in GIFs. Like, <laughs> I, it's basically my primary language over I can confirm. textual mm-hmm. communication. Very hard to schedule podcasts when it's just, emo, you know, GIFs of Obama being like, hmm? mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Matt's like, is this a good time? And it's like, <laughs> you know, or, or a GIF of Rihanna winking. <laughs> right, right. I, I would say that I think the GIF kind of had two, like, moments, right? I think it was in the mid 90s to the very early 2000s, like turn of the century, really like the GeoCities era of blogging, where you saw GIFs just everywhere, right? You also, you would see people using them on their blogs, and they were very pixelated and very cartoony and very cute and very jittery and all that. You know, that's definitely like kind of that early 90s, mid 90s era type internet phenomenon, right? And I think you know, as we, you know, the turn of the century came and went, and we started to see the rise of MySpace, the social media era of the internet, is when you started to see those kind of very pixely, very jittery, very like janky GIFs start to crop up on places like MySpace because of the level of customization you could have. But then, you know, then you had Facebook come around, right? And I think what you saw there was a far more cleaner you know, social network in terms of design and the elimination of, of GIFs from that platform. You know, you couldn't include them in your profile. You couldn't include them in comments and posts that you were making. So I think you saw just this dramatic shift away from their use. And then with the creation and launch of Tumblr is when you saw, again, another, I think, spike in popularity, you know, in the late aughts. Uh, in terms of their use. And then I think it hit, in all honesty, a crescendo around 2008, 2009, I want to even say maybe even 2010, I would have to look up, but with the creation of Jiffy, you know, the platform, this this search engine for GIF uh, animations, which has really become the standard for how people, I think, find and share these animations, not only through mobile, but through web, email, what have you. I love that. At one point, you mentioned how in the early days, artists really took to it and it was this whole form on Tumblr. And I was wondering if you could speak just a little bit about artists and their relationship with the GIF. Tumblr, again, was at the heart, I think, of of the second renaissance for the GIF. And Tumblr, an inherently photo-friendly, photo-focused community, from its early days, if not from the full-blown onset, had made GIFs a big part of how people communicated on there. You were able to reply to posts with GIFs, and you were able to share GIFs widely using uh, you know, Tumblr's tagging system. And you had artists like Mr. GIF, um, Mark Pertillo, uh, and, and James McCain, early on in this kind of at the forefront of this GIF artist community who were 
doing everything from like video focus GIFs to hand-drawn illustrations to all sorts of like really creative approaches to GIFs at the time. And what was um, really kind of special about it was these folks were just making stuff and breaking stuff every single day just for the fun of it. And what slowly became, well, not even slowly, I think what quickly became, what, what, what quickly happened was big brands started to take notice. You know, they started to see these illustrations and say, wow, mm-hmm. the advertisers that we're working with, they, they're not doing anything like this. Like they don't, they're not just even at all creative at all in, the, in, in at this level. You know, we ended up at the Daily Dot even partnering with the, with the guys from Mr. Jeff. We had uh, got accepted to do a South by Southwest panels. So what we ended up doing was uh, they they rented a an RV. Uh, they were based out of New York City, and I joined along with them. And we did a a GIF fueled road trip from New York to Austin to present <laughs> at South by for our panel called the Economy of the GIF, which was really looking at how these artists were transforming their their brands into like money making businesses essentially like Mr. Jiff again being kind of at the forefront of this and they would go on to work with all variety of different brands i think one of them was Evian if my memory serves me it was this really like just surreal road trip where we stopped along the way and interviewed all these different Tumblr and internet influencers capturing Jiff animations of them writing up stories you know going to waffle houses and just you know exhausted from driving. And it was really one of the most remarkable experiences I've ever had in journalism and credit to the Daily Dot for being up for something that wild. Um, That community was something really special. And, you know, Tumblr's had its ups and downs and it's starting to have a bit of a resurgence after a change in ownership over some time. But uh, it was really special to see just the level of creativity coming out of Tumblr in in the GIF community. Yeah, it's it's amazing how it, it's super accessible now, right? I had a, like one of my jobs, the executive assistant, like for the main office would send out GIFs to people like as their, their own personal inside jokes. And it's kind of amazing that it seems so complicated, but now it's so easy and accessible. Like you needed a folder of all your favorites yeah. to, on your desktop to like send them. And now they're in your iPhone keyboard automatically yeah. because of these, these search engines. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's tremendous. Yeah. I think the power, you know, into Jiffy's credit of utilizing their API uh, having it through, you know, text messaging, a Slack is obviously a very popular form of communication in the professional world, you know, that you can easily with a couple of keyboard strokes, queue up any GIF on the planet to send out to people I think is really remarkable. And I think what we've seen before, I think professionally speaking, you know, the idea of sending a GIF to your colleagues was like, oh man, like Sally is just a little weird. Like she's sending like this crazy <laughs> GIF. Like now it's like truly like the lingua franca of the internet era. It's like just as commonly used as, you know, emojis, bitmojis, all those kinds of things. And I think it's it's incredibly popular. And I mean, my day's filled with sending them. And it's it's been really amazing to see how far it's come all these all these decades later. Podcast episode title, How the GIF Became the Lingua Franca of the Internet. Mm-hmm. We did it. We're done. <laughs> yeah, Thank yeah. you very much. <laughs> Ooh, I love that. I was wondering, and you 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 just touched upon this, and maybe there's nothing to add, but I wanted to hear if you have any thoughts on obviously mobile changed the game 
But is there anything that's not terribly obvious about how it changed the game? You know, I remember the days of my first cell phone, like the Nokia brick that everybody makes all the memes about. Um, <laughs> and, you know, the the simple screen that it had, the, you know, the limit on text messaging you had, you know, pay per text kind of nonsense. So, I, I mean, it, it, does, it definitely can't be overstated just how important smartphones have been to I think the embrace of the GIF and and its resurgence recently. I distinctly remember a world where Jiffy didn't exist and where like like what was mentioned before, you know, if you wanted to find a GIF, you had to have a folder and you had to save them or you had to have them on a blog that you could draw from. You know, it was it was not easy to kind of capture a GIF to react to somebody's funny text message or funny email. That, you know, smartphones and their screens and and Wi-Fi technology and 5G, you know, it's all pretty much like was a perfect storm for when the company known as obviously Jiffy comes about with its, you know, great search engine for GIFs. It was really like the perfect moment, right? Because up until that time, all the pieces weren't quite in place yet to allow for this ease of GIF search, really. And not only the search engine, but the creation tool. I'm not even sure how you would take media from television and turn it into a three-second GIF in 1997. Like, you needed video editing software, I assume, or, or some Photoshop plugin or whatever. Now you can just plug a YouTube link into Jiffy and, and you're good to go. You know, that's tremendous. Absolutely, yeah. And I remember... In the early days of the Daily Dot, my colleague uh, Jason Reed and I, he, he's still with the company as, as its art director. Shout out to Jason Reed. Shout out to Jason Reed. So we were out there, Mavericks, I would say, you know, we would do these live jiffing marathons. So we would do <laughs> the Oscars or the Olympics or the NBA Finals or the Grammys. And we took an enormous amount of pride in being able to pull down footage from these live events turn them into a GIF and pump it out to Tumblr, Twitter, primarily Tumblr, within seconds of the moment happening and just capturing all this like kind of zeitgeist activity of like people saying, whoa, I just saw this on TV like five seconds ago, 10 seconds ago. How did you all get this onto (laughs) social media so fast? Because really this was like 2011, 12 at the time. 13. And even then, even with Jiffy around, because they didn't really have this ability at the time to do this, there wasn't quite an easy way to take footage online or from TV and transform it into a very simple GIF. It, it really has taken some time for that to become a big part of how people use and interact with the format. Being able to grab a YouTube video and a couple of seconds from it and turn it into a GIF within, you know, a couple of, uh, you know, with a couple of keystrokes. When Jason and I were doing this, we had to be in Photoshop. We had to use all this different kind of streaming software that I'll never forget. Like our machines were like literally almost catching fire, our laptops. We would have to have them under fans. We had to have like the windows open because it was so much processing power that was needed to do these little simple animations on the fly. All of that just reminds me of that Arthur Clarke quote, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic, (laughs) which I love so much, especially in regards to GIFs, because when I read Harry Potter as a young adult, I'm old, but like they had moving pictures, you know, and now that's really what GIFs are. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. 
so it's really fascinating to hear, you know, about its trajectory and and how even a few decades ago they were more difficult to create and now it's really just so accessible. Mm-hmm. So moving into a little bit more, I guess, of the of your philosophical thoughts on this, but like how do you think the GIF has influenced well, I'm interested in two areas, both the both internet culture and the way that we communicate, given that it's integrated into texts and everything. I mean, I think by and large, it's it's been a, a very positive experience. I think it's left a very positive impact on how we communicate with one, or, one another today. I think you will find, I know I do, this phrase of like having a loss of words or not being able to accurately or deftly explain one's emotions you know, happy birthday with an exclamation point just doesn't have the same level of impact that, you know, a gif of somebody like blowing out a massive cake, you know, and smashing it or something does, you know, and I think for someone like myself, who, um, you know, is a converted introvert, I think I would have loved back when I was in middle school, or even younger than that, when I was truly a capital N nerd in my own head, to have been able to access animations like this to to help capture what I'm really trying to express to people because I was definitely like an internet rat I was constantly on computers and no matter how verbose I tried to be as a middle schooler or high schooler and creative with my writing there's just something far more impactful and magical and special about finding just that perfect animation that captures what you're trying to say or the feeling you're trying to convey. So I think from a communication standpoint, I think it's been incredibly helpful. I think it's been incredibly helpful for those folks who just aren't great writers and aren't great communicators. And this is like a way for them to, to do that, you know, through the creativity that is, you know, GIF animations. And it's interesting because as a performer, I think even if you are a great writer, there's always potentially something that is lost in textilation, so to speak. You know, you can't hear their intonation or their facial expression. Mm -hmm. And so I do feel like in some respect, the GIF provides that emotion and facial expression. That's definitely the case for me. Like I was often feeling misinterpreted in regular text and I just feel like GIFs allow me to show how sassy or silly I'm feeling. It reminds us how important faces are for humans. Mm. Um, <laughs> and we've covered a lot of faces, like... Faces, they're important for humans. <laughs> I'm wearing the t-shirt. Uh, get it in the store now. Uh, but like we've talked, we've covered like, yeah, the lack of empathy on the on, in a textual internet has become a problem for our society. And, and perhaps... GIFs and maybe video has uh, gotten us a little, made a more civilized internet, perhaps. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think that it's it's just helped to, I think, break down some of those misunderstandings that are often had with, you know, textual communication, right? Like I, it is incredibly difficult to kind of read between the lines. I mean, I'm constantly on Slack for my job. And uh, what does, what does an exclamation point in, in one particular sentence in one particular moment mean? It's really interesting to see, again, like how GIFs, I think, can help break up a little bit of that monotony and kind of help, again, provide much needed levity and moments and, again, much needed, I think, context sometimes when it comes to communication. Mm -hmm. Could you tell us Stephen's favorite GIFs from when you interviewed him back in the day? One of his favorite GIFs early on, I think, and this is really kind of poignant because it was one of my favorite animations at the time as well, was the uh, the Dancy Baby meme. So this is 
you know, the baby in a diaper, you know, waving his hands. It's a 3D baby uh, on a black, black screen in the background. And I always knew it as like the Uga Chaka baby because it was always like him dancing to that really funny song. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this is definitely one of the first like internet memes. And I distinctly remember being on my huge like IBM PC and obsessed with this animation and that I, I downloaded it onto a floppy disk. <laughs> And I was like trying to give it away to my friends to show them like how cool this was, that this was like this animation flowing, like all like, fr- like all around me, like the very rudimentary internet back then. And nobody was having it. They're like, what? First of all, why are you giving me a floppy disk? And A, like what? A dancing baby? Um, so like... Uh, this like this like will be the next like oh we used to walk uphill in the snow both ways it's like I used to put my gifs on up my gifs on a floppy disk yeah, yeah. and then hand the floppy disk to my friend and try to make them put it inside their computer yeah that's right that's right and I think and to get even like more nerdy with it I think the file was so big I had to split it up into two floppy disks because that like made no sense no yeah so it was like no you know here. Here's half of the half, half, half the, the baby, baby, and here's the other floppy disk <laughs> to watch the other half. <laughs> oh no! And yet, you still have friends. That's amazing. <laughs> Truly, the most amazing part. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not 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 many, not not many friends, not many. <laughs> you know, I think that baby is from Ally McBeal. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, no, it is. It it absolutely is. But like how it got to the internet and how it got associated with the song, I don't I don't know. That's I don't remember that. The baby Do- dances to that song in Ally McBeal's Waking yes. Delusions. Okay, so that's oh. what I see it here. Yes, Uga Chaka, Uga Chaka. No, my understanding is that the baby, yeah, kind of hit critical mass, I guess, in 1996 when it was featured on Ally McBeal. Yeah. <laughs> boom, boom, mommy, mommy. So it was in the internet first. Ah. Oh, wait, did it predate Ally McBeal? It was. No, it was essentially around the same time because it be, it essentially was released in the autumn of 1996 and was featured in Ally McBeal in 1996. Mm. Did the show create the baby and put it in her, <laughs> into the I world? I mean, that's some next le- or <laughs> there it is. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. You know? I can't. Yes, this is great. This feeling deep inside of me. This has become the nostalgia episode, and it's not. It's yeah. not the lingua franca. <laughs> yeah. It's just. It's become the nostalgia episode. Remember this thing? Yeah. I think. I think the fact that that was one of the most popular. GIFs to you and to Steven and the fact that I was obsessed with Ally McBeal makes total sense that I would grow into someone who uses GIFs as her primary form of text communication. Yeah. It makes mm-hmm. sense yeah. to me. It all comes together. It's about the crossover of internet culture and mainstream culture of like, this is a flashpoint for the medium. And I it is nostalgic for us because we're all elderly, but um, <gasps> it's important. It's an important moment for the internet. So it, I think this is relevant. Oh, absolutely. And even still to this day, TV and movies are where the, the majority of memes come from. Sure. They're coming now from more places. Mm-hmm. But even though TV is, is in a weird place. <laughs> uh, it's still where most of them. Come Absolutely. From. And it, it truly goes back to, I think what we were talking about before the barrier to entry to making, you know, GIFs is so low now that it's, it's those GIFs from TV, from film, from music videos that have become truly the most popular, you know, GIFs out there because 
in a second, we could go out off, go YouTube, grab something, and we can create the GIF we want, you know, from any, you know, any type of uh, TV movie content, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Any episode of Star Trek. That's right. I also would like to know everybody's currently most used GIFs. <laughs> Uh, I think mine is, uh, the cat that's like feverishly typing. That's kind of like a go-to for me because it's like pretty much my life now. (laughs) I do think that different groups of people have different number one used GIFs. Like my ex is uh, an electrical engineer. Actually, he's not an electrical engineer. He's a mechanical engineer that does programming for electric cars, whatever. But he, his like group's number one gifs were things that i would never use but they were sending them to each other all the time being like (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and it's so funny and like all of mine are basically like rihanna beyonce and cat there you go i love this because it's like the culture of your group of like oh my group at work and my friends and my boyfriend girlfriend spouse whatever there's a different language being spoken Mm -hmm. visually depending on the context which is how language works it's just doing visual now and i have a star trek group thread we watch star trek together every week if you accidentally send a gif that's not a star (laughs) trek gif everybody is like what are you doing (laughs) like find a way to say it with star trek you know it's very funny i'm gonna i want to hack into that group and just send like yoda gifts you know just to fuck everything up you you will get blocked so fast (laughs) that's so great (laughs) i have i have a meandering question as always i hope everyone's ready buckle up so i think it's you could look at it both optimistically or positively and negatively in the sense that, as we discussed, I do think it helps add emotion to exchanges. But I also think you could look at it as, you know, somewhat the we're we're becoming cavemen communicating in pictures. (laughs) So I was wondering, rather, I'd like to put you on the spot. Mm. Like, what do you think are the best and most appropriate uses for GIF? And what are the inappropriate uses? Like, you know, it's interesting to me that, right, it's integrated with Slack. It's uh, in, in your workplace. But if you could make up your five rules of the GIF. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I think like anything, overuse is never good. <laughs> so I think if you're, you know, I think you see a lot of people who only communicate with like emojis, right? Call it, Lindsay. Yeah, you know, and it's a... You know what? I feel attacked. I'm going to go. I'm, I'm going to go. This is very yeah, rare. I think I, I find myself trying to limit the use because I know... It could be a lot, you know, if you're that person in the group chat that only responds with GIF animations. Um, I will say one of the <laughs> fascinating phenomenons, and this gets a little insidery baseball, but all of you are familiar with Slack. Nothing, I think, annoys me more if there's like a handful of GIFs and they're just like huge and dominate my entire screen while I'm working. And I have to like type <laughs> 20 messages just to move the GIF off the screen so I can like you know, we can get back to work over here. (laughs) I would definitely say like less is more, obviously, you know, that really perfectly timed GIF is just like, you know, you know, chef's kiss uh, emoji. Uh, You certainly don't want to use them, you know, when your grandmother or someone's grandparent dies. I think it's probably still appropriate to use text. Solid. You know, that's, that's should should be a given. Finally, we agree. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need to be dropping the, uh, you know, Will Ferrell from the hangover, you know, attending the funeral GIF is probably not in good taste. (laughs) (laughs) It's, I think again, you know, less is more. And I think certainly an 
in a, in a, from a professional perspective, it, it, once in a while, you know, I think it's definitely not good to be like, you know, dropping a bunch into your boss. But, you know, with colleagues, I will say I'm very, you know, comfortable sharing GIFs here and there. Um, yeah, no, it's it's um it's interesting because I sometimes do this show where I analyze breakup texts. Mm. And it's interesting to me in the, you know, evolution of communication that now people are doing this by text message, which is arguably not very emotionally intelligent. (laughs) I don't know. I guess it's fascinating because we're still sort of in the Wild West. We're like, is it acceptable to just leave a text conversation? Or like, should you say like, I'm going to, you know what I mean? There's so many things that like aren't navigated yet. So mm-hmm. I just think the GIF is like very much a part of that. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm someone who's taught at three different universities, taught news writing, taught, uh, you know, all Ooh. these different, yeah, topics in the world of journalism. So right, like our like articles going to use more and more, like New York Times is going to start having GIFs. Like what's happening? No, bro. You know, you've seen news organizations start to incorporate them into their stories. I mean, we do at NPR as well, try to include one if it fits the tone. Like, for example, we just covered the Oscars, obviously, you know, and we don't need to talk about it, hopefully. But (laughs) everyone knows what you've included. I can't imagine there's a possible moment in that whole ceremony (laughs) that is GIF worthy. Kevin Costner's speech. (laughs) Nicole Kidman fell asleep during that and it was hilarious. It was she was right in the middle. It's amazing. Kevin Costner's speech without audio in GIF form. Exactly. So like for something like that, you know, where it's entertainment, it's celebrities doing things, hurting people, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's in those moments, like sure, a GIF is going to be appropriate, but like the war in Ukraine, the rise in poverty and things like that, probably not good to use GIFs, you know, for for the most part, you know, so it's it's still a, a, a very kind of a great question, but I will say news organizations have embraced it more than ever before. Like, you know, the, when you say the New York Times, like the New York Times definitely using GIFs. And if not GIFs, what they actually do use quite a bit is looping video. So it looks like a GIF, but it's actually a video that's just very perfectly looped. Yeah, it's you, you've seen this kind of embrace of it. What's funny to me is that like here we are basically saying and agreeing that GIFs are for lighthearted moments to 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 add levity to something that might be uncomfortable or to just show that you are feeling this kind of way, but it's not not necessarily to convey a serious emotion, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes when I'm looking through the GIFs for like my perfect thing that I want to say, just so you know, all of mine are chef's kiss perfect, no mm-hmm. big deal. Um, <laughs> there are so many that are like, my heart is broken and I'll never recover. And I think they're like very earnest, like kids Mm. and teenagers are sending these to each other when they like get broken up with. And it's like, wow, that's not, I don't think we need to regulate this. But we have this bias that we, we use it again, elderly people will use it for fun, but that it's probably being used in earn- for to express other emotions, for sure. Matt, if you call me elderly one more time, we're going to fight. <laughs> She's quit, you've quit the podcast three times during this interview. It's great. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I do think that we, but we should be aware of it. Not saying that it's bad, but I think the ability to express deep emotions and like darker emotions needs to be more accessible, mm-hmm. right? Because I think that, Showing that I'm feeling playful is not as easy to do over text, but telling someone, look, my feelings are hurt needs to be something you can say with plain Mm -hmm. text. I I don't know 
if that's right or wrong, but it makes me worried that like the youth is not able to do that or choosing not to do that. But it's context, it's context, it's context. So if the person receiving the message, if someone sent you a message with my heart is broken, you would assume, we would assume that it's it's being hyperbolic and silly because we only use GIFs hyperbolic and silly yeah. for communication. But if the, if the recipient teen understands that GIFs can be used for fun or despair, then it's fine. You know what I mean? It's like speaking English or Chinese. Yeah. Yes and no, because I think the line is certain conversations should happen in person or even by videos. You can see the person's face and hear the tone of voice. I just think like as humans, that's something that's innate and hardwired. But I also think the next generations are going to be taught more about emotional intelligence than we were. Mm -hmm. But I think that all goes as part of it. Like an apology is not as meaningful if it's just a word. And I think like technology aside, that's been true. Yeah. I I mean, I I think this is incredible. I really do think it's very much situational and who the person is. Like I can tell you like a friend of mine, he recently had not his, his actual dogs that he owns now, but like a childhood dog of his had passed away, you know, and it was sad. It was an old dog. It was, you know, that's what animals do. And one of our friends in the group chat shared like one of the cartoon crying cat, like GIFs. And I think somebody else, you know, sent another GIF in that kind of vein. It, it seemed appropriate. And he like responded very warmly to kind of that, that outpouring of love and affection from this friend group of ours. But it, it, again, it was, you know, he's a, a, a creature of the internet like the rest of us. He, you know, shares GIFs himself with us, you know, so it, it was just very, very appropriate. Yeah. And I think it's just like people not lying to themselves when they're taking the easy road out versus actually doing the road that seems appropriate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is, con- and that, that hinges and that's on context. context. Yeah. Yes. No, yeah, absolutely. The truly about context, truly about, yeah, if it's a serious moment, like a death in the family or somebody else, like as, as was discussed, probably better to call, probably better to do a Zoom, probably even better to be in person. Like GIFs serve of purpose, but the real world is still the real world with real world consequences. And we're still not at the point, I think, as a human race yet to be uh, eliminating the power of physical touch, physical interaction, and things like that. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> the power of physical touch. It's my personal preference. <laughs> so that's Lindsay's love language. Uh- and then gifts. Gifts <laughs> <laughs> and touching. Yeah. This is a really like multifaceted show. There's so much happening. <laughs> Are you okay? (laughs) Is your head spinning around in a circle? (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing. (laughs) Fernando, I want to know, as an internet product, like as, as a child of the internet, someone who has studied the internet and the way that we are interacting and communicating through it, especially to get information. I know we're talking about GIFs and sort of we treat them lightheartedly, but is there a way that people are sort of receiving real messages and information through GIFs? Absolutely. I mean, there's an an enormous world of GIF creators and users who create interactive, you know, infographics. Going back to an organization like, you know, the New York Times and the use of these looping videos and or GIFs, I distinctly remember recently they did an, an incredible 
interactive feature on the California wildfires and had this looping image of these these men and women walking, you know, in front of this these blazes behind them, you know, and it's that kind of use of looping imagery, gifs that lands with a lot of impact, right? It's such a simple thing to see. You don't need an enormous amount of context and it's just like in your face. I will tell you back during my time at the Daily Dot as a, as an art director, we were definitely trying to kind of push the limits of the format to do things again, like those interactive graphics. Um, we did one, for example, I think this was a lot of fun on, I believe it was the Game of Thrones. We had took an episode and kind of broke down the cost of various items that, you know, in the episode and kind of highlighted how much it would be, you know, cause this was at the height of the Game of Thrones phenomenon on HBO and tried to kind of use GIFs in like this informative way. You know, we've also seen brands like OSHA or not brands, but organizations like OSHA and other government entities kind of use GIFs to kind of provide consumers and ordinary people with information about about recalls and things they need to be on the, the lookout for. So so sure, while I think GIFs by and large, people interact with them purely in an LOL, WTF type mentality, fun and breezy. Like there is this very big world out there of their use for education and getting information out there, you know, through news, through graphics, through, you know, data points and all sorts of things. Instructional mm-hmm. gifts mm-hmm. of like, how am I going to build my Ikea shelf? <laughs> well, here's a three second ah, yeah. looping thing, yeah. or I can go to, I can go to a YouTube video and that's sure. okay. Here's a, here's yep. a 10 second ad. And then here's the host being like, Hey guys, welcome to the chat. And it's like, I just yes. need to yes. fucking build yeah. the shelf. The, well, Thank uh, you. Yeah. To get my green screen back in the bag, I had to watch three there, seconds yeah. of that YouTube video, 18 billion yeah. times. Exactly. Exactly. You, you guys, I feel like you guys know exactly which green screen I'm talking I, about. I can relate to that. So yeah. Well, yeah. that's so I mean, funny. and you see it too, like on Reddit, which is, you know, obviously one of the ground zeros for, you know, as long with Tumblr for like this kind of rise in the GIF movement essentially is you will see a lot of cooking related GIFs, right? Somebody, you know, breaking out all the ingredients mm-hmm. and kind of having text overlay showing, okay, now you beat up the three eggs and you start the oven and all this kind of stuff. And I think to your point, I think is really interesting is the overwhelming amount of ads you have on YouTube and the limits of internet connection here and there, like to have just a looping image, like in the background that you can just be like, look up at and say, oh, okay, it's going to come back around in like 10 seconds. And I can just like, you know, do it. There's some, there's like a beauty in that and an ease of use in that, right? I have been observing that GIFs are are typically low res, low frame rate, and we recognize that and we understand what that is. And then occasionally people will post, oh, here's a GIF of this thing. And it's like super high fidelity and super clean and crisp. And when you poke around at the tech side of that, you're realizing, oh, these are actually looping like MP4 videos or Mm -hmm. GIF Vs or whatever. And so there seems to be a technological evolution where through HTML5 and modern web browsers, there are image formats like the GIF that do the same thing and serve the same purpose, but we we might be in 10 years no longer sharing gifts. We might be sharing something else. And it's a kind of a wonky tech question, but like 
will the GIF die in favor of another format one day? And I know the answer is inevitably yes, but what, do you do you observe what I'm talking about? I, I mean, I do observe it. And I think, you know, the next step is like, look at Instagram and their Reels feature, right? Like if you, you sit on right, that exactly. Reel, it's going to loop and loop and loop and loop forever. But that's not a, you know, that's not a GIF. That's a video, right? You know, so I think what you've seen is a lot of these video developers and innovators catch on to kind of the beauty and the simplicity of what the GIF is and, and just, you know, take it to that, that next level. I mean, I guess I would push back against, uh, against the idea of like, will the GIF uh, ever die? I think because the GIFs can be such small file formats, whereas these MP4 and other looping videos are just extraordinarily large formats and like, you know, take up a lot of space, require a lot of bandwidth. Like I will tell you, for example, when I was at CNN, we would have to be very deliberate if we were going to have one of these looping videos on homepage because we knew the load time was going to take a hit because of how beautiful, how much like the, the quality of it, it just required that much more bandwidth. And it was a very much an ongoing discussion every time we were going to do this of like, well, is it worth it? Like, is this moment that we want to highlight mm -hmm. worth eating up that time? Because as we all know, a website takes more than like five seconds to load, like, you know, bye, I'm, I'm out of here. I think that there's always going to be a necessity for the simplicity of the GIF. I will say, well, I don't believe that it will fully die. I definitely think that it will become kind of more of like a, almost like what you see with like hobbyist communities, right? Like there will be these purists out there who mm. I think still use it, who still, you know, insist on creating artwork and, and educational information using it. But it would not surprise me if we saw, you know, kind of a, you know, kind of a drop off perhaps uh, in the future. Mm -hmm. oh my God, GIFs will become like LP records where it's like, we don't need LP records to listen to music. We have much better ways, but there's a collector hobbyist thing going on there where it's like, here's an old format that we love or for whatever reason. And we're really into it, even though we don't need it anymore. Exactly right. I mean, like, I, I'm literally sitting here staring at a wall of Polaroid cameras. I have like a dozen of them. Like, do we need Polaroid cameras? Like, absolutely not. Like, <laughs> That's a better analogy. The, the format, so expensive, like, you know, but the beauty and the magic of holding a piece of film in your hand, the beauty and magic of like a perfectly created GIF that is easy to send to people, that doesn't take a long time to load. I think that's oh, there's always going to be a little bit of like kind of magic with that. And like what's old is new again, as we know, Fila, Polaroid, Records, you know, you name it, all these brands having like kind of another moment, right? It's it's really kind of a beautiful thing to see in a way. I love that analogy, though. Like I hadn't thought about that. But like, yeah, for for kids today, like this will be the old school form. <laughs> Absolutely. What do you think the new school form will be? Talking to each other. <laughs> <laughs> Overrated. Yeah, I mean, sure. Yeah, I mm -hmm. mean, that's it's yeah. gonna be something with AR. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's what everyone is kind of like, you know, focusing on now, right? Is you know, making looping animations and all, you know, alternate reality, right? I mean, what does that look like? What is that? <laughs> I don't even know, you know. So, but I think between now and then, yeah, it would not surprise me to see more of these looping videos and the, the power of that and just, you know, how much more dynamic those can be versus, you know, the, you know, the GIF animation. Well, Fernando, I thought that was an excellent place to end around the, the past, present and future of the GIF. And so thank you so much for joining us. You have been as delightful as all of the GIFs that I use. 
<laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. It's uh, it's always great to uh, have my world come back to you know the Daily Dot. It's you know has always has a fun place in my heart from all the time I spent there and all the GIF work <laughs> that was done. So thank you. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> and that baby looks like it might be ill. <laughs> Well, that was so delightful. I truly think that the levity and light that I find in GIFs was reflected in that entire interview. I was worried that the we weren't just weren't gonna have enough to talk about. Like, yeah, he created the GIF. Now we all use it. You know what I mean? But like, that was really fun. I think Stephen would be proud. It, Stephen, if you're up there mm-hmm. listening or all around us, or I don't down know. There, whatever. You yeah. know what I mean? Whoa, who? Wow. What? I mean, <laughs> do they get do they get podcasts in the afterlife? Obviously, mm. especially if you went to hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they only get Joe Rogan down there. Ooh, oh God! Oh Jesus, Mary and Joseph. Nah, oh my God! The Jews and the gays are all going to hell. It's gonna be a party. Uh, it's gonna be fun. Yeah, but it's not if y'all let Joe Rogan come with you. That's what I'm saying. I don't know that that's true. No, Joe Rogan's not down there. Uh, just they just broadcast the podcast twenty four seven. Yeah, nah, they pod. That's gonna be that's in purgatory. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but yeah, that was wonderful. I'm I'm a fan of our guest now. Like I'm gonna go follow him. <laughs> Me too. Me yeah, too. But yeah, it's just interesting as always to think of. About the context, the growth. I loved, uh, you know, comparing it to records and things like that. And it's fascinating. The world has changed so much in the past decade that it's kind of wild to think what it's going to look like in 2030 if it hasn't all burned down, you know, which is also Mm, a possibility. I think we're either like living in the future in, you know, VR, AR technology or it's like blackout apocalypse world. It's one or the right, other. Right. Yeah, There's no in between. Be one or the other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I am concerned that you're right. The the sort of linguistic context of how we perceive uh, messages, whether they're you know visual or textual, it also made me think about something we've touched on briefly. Briefly, which is like you have your GIF culture, I have my GIF. We all have our little groups, but then like. GIFs in other languages. Like, imagine what people in China are sharing as like. We've talked about how we we cannot access the internet culture of people of other languages, and what how fascinating that must be to even peek in there and see what's going on in that world would mm-hmm. be cool and impossible, right? Well, Ali, I know you are learning Spanish, and mm-hmm. um, my friends and I sometimes send funny Spanish language gifs to each other which is very okay it's great there's a lot of dancing in them it's fun oh right it's fun like what what are the cultural differences between a spanish language gif culture and and an english one dancing may be more prevalent yeah also just like the words that are funny are different Mm. you know like the concepts would be different because you don't say things the same way my Spanish teacher has sent me a few memes in Spanish, and I don't understand them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> although I will say he sends me like funny things about language. Yeah, okay. you know, like the, there, there are. Well, it's interesting. There's a whole category of memes, not gifs, but memes that, um, like Spanish teachers, or he's he is a teacher sure. of languages, and so they share memes yeah. and jokes about learning languages. But it's like a meme about Sarah versus a star, and I'm like, I'm already confused by 
<laughs> right. Yeah. Like you can learn a language and you can speak a new language, but understanding humor a in a foreign like language. Like a language joke. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's kind of funny. He yeah. sends me this. I'm like, I don't know what this is, Santiago. What's happening? You need to explain it to me. <laughs> Shout out to Santiago, Santiago, friend of the show. Love him. Yeah. He's great. So yeah, I'm still learning Spanish. <laughs> it's really fun. It's really fun to see such concrete progress, even though I don't understand jokes about language in Spanish. But um, <laughs> anyway, well, I would love to hear the listeners' thoughts as always. So you can get at me across social media platforms at Ali underscore Goldie. That's L-L-I underscore G-O-L-D-I. And... I am at the Lindsay Life, T H E L I N D S E Y L I F E, across all platforms. No textual responses to this week's episode. Uh, GIFs only. Mm, Let us know. That's true. What you that's thought. true. So, uh, no, no voicemails this week. Uh, you can email us two G one podcast at gmail dot com. Uh, we're about you can, to get flooded with GIFs only with no context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I yeah. can only hope. Also, you can drop your favorite GIF into our Discord at discord.gg slash 2G1P. And uh, you can leave us a review. That's always very helpful. Leave a review wherever you get your podcasts if they have a review system. Oh, Patreon, the most important one. Yeah, if you've been listening for any amount of time, please go to patreon.com slash 2G1P. We could use your contribution um, at any level. One dollar is totally great. So please visit patreon.com slash 2G1P. We were talking about media a little bit and, and Fernando's working at NPR. It's like this this show comes to you for free and it, it takes a lot of work to make and it will always continue to be free. But if you appreciate it and want it to continue, uh, a contribution is always uh, helpful, as Ali said. There you go. All right. <laughs> I think that's it. We'll see you next time. Bye. Two Girls, One Podcast is hosted by Lindsay Ford and Allison Goldberg. Then animated at three frames per second. I mean produced and edited by Matt Silverman in New York City. Additional editing by Avital Ayler. Production assistance is provided by the Podglomerate. This show is a production of The Daily Dot, the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the internet. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe. Get a book?